0: Everyone, welcome to our beautiful monster. I'm Katie, and Grayson is not here. I am recording a little mini episode because we had some computer trouble, and by that I mean Grayson's computer completely broke, and he wasn't able to edit the episode in time. And I was going to put this up on the day our episode was supposed to come out, but I became busy and sick, and also forgot. So it's happening now. Anyway. Um, The next proper episode will come out, I don't think next Tuesday, but the one after that when Grayson's able to finish editing with his new computer. But for today, I'm going to talk about something a little bit different. A little monster adjacent, I would say, but not quite a monster because then Grayson would have to be here to give his two cents on the issue. What I'm going to talk about is what some people might say is actually the world's greatest monster. Man. But that's only because in the real world there aren't dragons or centaurs or alien goo. Those sort of things. But it's an interesting topic. And a lot of my favorite characters are that aren't monsters are sort of in this category of what happens when stuff goes wrong and people get real messed up and becomes something that you might call a monster in a different sort of way. And I know I said at one point I wasn't going to talk about anime Hitler, and I know people like to say that Hitler is humanity's greatest monster, but I'm I'm still not talking about anime Hitler because there's nothing fun about that. Anyway, I think one of my favorite characters who is sort of monstrous in a way while still definitely being human is the meta from the web series red vs. blue now if you're not familiar which is possible it is the longest running web series but it's still a web series basically imagine if halo was also a comedy and half of the people were stupid that's red versus blue um but some of the people that weren't stupid were the freelancer agents. And one of those was agent Maine. He was very strong, but he sustained a bunch of bullets to the throat because he's very tough and he survived that, but he was no longer able to speak. So they decided to give him, um, one of their fragmented AI. They had one AI and they fragmented it off to make more AI. So they could give all of their agents AI. um, And so that way he can communicate through this little AI that can help him talk. Um, But the problem is that this AI, he was pretty ambitious, and he wanted to reunite with all the other fragments. So he started to influence Maine's brain to make him sort of go crazy. And then finally, he starts attacking the other agents and stealing their AI and putting it in his own head with the first AI um, and then sort of just goes completely berserk. And they start calling this instead of they call it agent main, they called this thing, the meta um, because there's a concept in halo called meta stability where basically an AI becomes almost human. And that's what these AI are trying to do is gather together and become human. But in the doing so, they're basically using this big hulking space marine guy to go around and attack people and growl at them. Because he can't talk, so he just growls. Although he did that before he couldn't talk. But that's that's not the point. Um, and so it's sort of a hive mind thing. Where they speak, they say, we are the meta. Um, you know, like, like Venom. It's a similar, but not so friendly con- contract that they have going um, and so part I mean, part of what makes um, the Meta Monstrous is Mane himself where he's this big very absurdly strong man who just growls like an animal um, but that it's, his behavior is because of these AI in his head that all have their own thoughts and desires so it's basically broke his brain because there's too much going on in there. And it's difficult because then he has to fight, or rather his friend, Agent Washington, has to fight him. And so he's torn between um, needing to do his job and just seeing this man that used to be his friend and wanting to believe that there's still some bit of Maine in there. And that's sort of the... it's It's an interesting character dynamic and he he's able to understand the growls he can communicate with main or the meta as if he was talking to a regular person and it just really shows how close they were before things went sideways but i mean you know me i like a big really strong guy and so i like that i like that he's sort of animalistic and then he just sort of this question of at what point does your brain just stop working so much that you're not a h- human anymore? Because they don't really treat the meta like, well, most people don't treat him like a person. They treat him like a monster. They're afraid of him. There's animals that need to be put down and dealt with. Um, save for Wash when he's briefly working with him. And he's just, I think he wants to believe that his friend is still in there. So that's the meta. That's one I like. That one's more just sort of a fun, big, angry, monstrous man. But the other way that someone can be a monster is in their actions. And I quite like a lot of characters like that. There's even one in Red vs. Blue, I'd say, it was kind of like that. Another one of the antagonists, Felix, who is just a horrible, horrible gremlin of a man. But I'm not going to go into him. Um, instead, I'm going to talk a little bit about... My personal, my current uh, favorite character du jour, which is um, Hyakunosuke Ogata from Golden Kamui, who similarly, he's just, he's very interesting. He's a very bad man. Um, (laughs) And also, I guess it bears mentioning, since it's almost monstrous, he's very much styled like a cat. But in a way that I feel like a lot... I mean, it's very common for characters to have sort of an animal motif. But I feel like it's rarely so across the board in both appearance and behavior. He does not have cat ears, but his eyes seem to get narrow like cat pupils rather than just shrink like a human people would. His behavior, his body posture and movements are very cat-like. And then it's impossible to get a read on his motives... Or tell him what to do, very much like a cat. And I love cats. So that was an easy sell for me. But what really makes him worth mentioning on this mini-sode is how he's crazy. He's real crazy. And as anyone who's studied any abnormal psych can tell you, which I've done a fair amount, quite enjoy it, um, there's a question of nature versus nurture basically are people who are monsters and murderers and all that. Is it, are they born with that capacity or is it have something to do with how they're raised? And I think most people agree that with any sort of be- human behavior, it's a combination of both. And I think Ogata's is a good example of that because so he was born an illegitimate son, his high ranking military official father abandoned him and his mother And then his mother basically went off the deep end because of that. So he didn't have any parents to really properly raise him. So he was neglected and neither probably didn't get a lot of affection. But then he did a whole lot of bad stuff. And there's a point where you have to say these things happen to a lot of people. Most of those people don't grow up to be horrible monsters. But it's still interesting to see these fictional representations of when it does go that way. Um, Ogata went on to kill his mother, kill his father, kill his half-brother. Two, of The father and half-brother were vaguely on orders, but it's still weird. Um, and the way that Ogata functions, he doesn't function great, but he feels that he's fundamentally lacking something, which makes sense given his behavior. He doesn't seem to care or have empathy for anyone else. Um, but I don't think that he wants to be that way. And so whenever people challenge the way that he sees the world, which is that things like love... Or guilt or any of these emotions that he personally can't really get a grasp on those are fake and made up and people are just pretending because that's the way that you're supposed to act and so when people challenge him that him and that or in thinking that purity doesn't exist and that everyone can be driven to be the way he is and just murder um whenever that's challenged he basically loses it and i think that's interesting Um, it's almost like he has the sort of coping mechanism that's also a world view and it's just fascinating because I think that that could happen, I think that the human mind does what it can to help you survive and if that means it has to construct this elaborate facade of everyone's all pretending to act the way they do because you don't understand it, it's interesting um And I think it's interesting that despite the fact that he's clearly this... I mean, he's a monster. He's a terrible person. Those are just some of the people he's killed. Um, And he he solves a lot of his problems trying to shoot people in the head because he's a very talented sniper. Um, And so he uses that skill to try to fix things when he needs to. And I think he is lacking a lot of empathy. But at the same time... He claims that he doesn't feel guilt, but he's haunted by sort of the apparition of his brother that he killed. And I think that that's sort of the definition of of a guilty conscience, isn't it? Um, and so I think a lot of what he says about how he feels isn't necessarily accurate. And I, I mean, it's kind of an unreliable na- not narrator, because it's not the narrator, but I mean, I'm a writer, and so I really like these sort of in-depth looks at characters um and i think that deep down he wants approval he wants affection he doesn't know how to ask for it or even what it looks like because he was never really given it and so he goes and follows these powerful men who he thinks might it's i mean it's a stand-in for his father that he obviously deep down wanted, but then he didn't, once he was confronted with his actual father, he didn't want his approval, because it's like, what has he done? He abandoned him. And so he just goes around looking for someone to care about him, but he doesn't have the tools to earn it or ask for it. And Golden is ongoing, so who knows what might happen. But a bit of a downer i should find think of something one other thing to talk about that doesn't so much of a downer probably maybe i should have talked about main second although he did die main the meta did die in case you're wondering he was defeated um very sad for wash but he has other friends now so it's so it's all right um oh i know i'll talk about one thing i know i definitely will never talk about on the main show because grayson hates it and that's one piece one Piece is a manga about pirates, and Grayson doesn't like the art style, so he refuses to read it, but that's fine. Anyway, I'm going to talk about another favorite of mine, which is Trafalgar Law, also known as The Surgeon of Death, although he's also a pirate. But he himself isn't really a monster, but the reason why I think that he's worthy talking about is because of another aspect of monstrousness that I'm a big fan of. And we'll find ways to talk about the show, which is body horror. So, in One Piece, there's these magical fruits that give you special powers. If you know anything about One Piece, you know that Luffy, the main character, is basically made of rubber. And that's because of one of these devil fruits, as they're called. He got ate the one that turns you into rubber, and now he's a rubber man. Um, Law ate a different fruit called the Op-Op Fruit. The name doesn't really translate very well. But basically, it gives him the ability to freely manipulate matter within a certain radius, which he calls Room, short for an operating room. It's all sort of surgery-themed. But the weird thing about the way that it works is so he'll do things like the Marines, which are the enemies of the pirates, will fire a cannonball, and he throws up his magic room, not an actual room it's just sort of like a sphere of magic um and then he'll move his hands around and then the cannonball will swap places with one of the marine's heads and they'll all freak out and the crazy thing is the heads there's no damage the marine's alive his head's still alive he just has a cannonball and where his head should be and his head is on the ground and that's messed up and that's sort of what law will do is he does these horrible sort of dissections of people and they're still alive. And so they, at one point they like find a, one of his victims and it's a samurai and his head's in one place, his body's in another place. The other half of his legs are in a different place and they have to piece them back together. And she can, you can just piece them back together, stick them back together and they're fine again. It's just a very strange way. And he could have, I mean, Oda, who's the author of One Piece, could have made it horribly bloody and violent and gross, but he didn't. He just made it this strange, strange thing, and Law does a lot of weird stuff with it. He, uh, when he first gets the power as a child, um, now this is some special inside information that I got from the the side novel, which is about Law's backstory, so only real Law fans will know these details. (laughs) This is important. But um, he when he was a child, he had an incurable disease, which was basically a buildup of a toxin in his body that everyone in his hometown succumbed to. And he was able to surgically remove the toxin using the powers of this fruit, because otherwise you couldn't surgically remove something on that level without just dying. And he had to cut out his own liver to do this. And that's messed up, especially because he was like 13 at the time, but he did it and he survived. So he's the only survivor uh, of this illness from this town. And if you're familiar with shonen manga tropes, you say, oh, he's the Sasuke and that's, yeah, basically he's the Sasuke of one piece. Um, but it's just, he really, I mean, he's kind of a weirdo. He's kind of a grumpy goth weirdo, which I enjoy. One of his favorite things to do is an ability where he will just sort of tap someone's chest and then their heart comes out in his cube. And then if you, you mean, if he squeezes, it's still your heart, it's still functioning. And so if he squeezes it, it'll be bad and it'll hurt a lot. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know how... I mean, you can't really squeeze someone's heart in real life, so I can't really say how it would work in real life, but it's not good. Not good if your heart gets squeezed. And so you will use that as like a, like a sort of a way to hold someone hostage. And it's, it's crazy. I mean, and of course, for some reason, the cube is clear so you can see the heart, because it wouldn't be cool otherwise. I don't understand what that clear cube is made out of, but it's fine. It's fictional. But that's just... It's just some fun good old-fashioned weird anime body horror and i respect him and his commitment to doing these things the way that he does them um but yeah i think that's enough for a little minisode just a couple of weird characters that i like that are monster adjacent in some way or the other I'm sorry this episode wasn't really funny, mostly just me rambling, but we'll have a proper episode back up as soon as we can get it up. And well uh, we'll see you all then. Um, make sure to check us out on Twitter at obmonstercast or email us at ourbeautifulmonster at gmail.com. And if you have a second, if you could rate and review us on iTunes, we would really appreciate that. That's all for this time. Grayson's not around, so I can't ask him if he has anything else to say. So I'll just say, get out of my swamp. Bye.